our cars will break down. And when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Good evening, Detroit Lakes. This is the Vikings Territory Breakdown. I am your host, Joe Johnson, owner of the UFDA Sports Network with sites like VikingsTerritory.com, PurplePTSD.com, TheDraftTeam.com, FranchiseTag.com, MiniIce.com, and a a couple other new sites coming up, uh, including a UFDA Sports site slash app that's coming in May, and one uh, site that we're actually going to announce for the first time later in the show. So, unfortunately, you're going to have to listen to me drone on for a while before you get to the juicy stuff. Uh, I'm joined by Mr. Joe Oberly. Per usual, how are you doing, man? Well, I just got back from uh, the dentist after seeing him for the first time in a year. So, if I'm talking strangely, it's because I have all this more room in my mouth for the, 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 the ton of plaque that's out of it. And if I'm crabbier than usual, it's because I hate the dentist. Can I? Sorry. So it seems like we've had some, a little bit of a following growing from this show, and we have a lot of people week to week making comments. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't try to draw a through line between the topic of um, what you were doing last week, what we interrupted you doing, which was making your own maple syrup in your yard a week later you're at the dentist i'm pretty sure there's a correlation or at least causation i don't think so i don't think so because uh well i just haven't gone to the dentist for a year because of covid and uh, i have a a place that builds up plaque in my teeth and i I, when i walked in i asked the hygienist did you bring your jackhammer (laughs) i also haven't been Uh, to the dentist for a decade uh because of covid I guess I'll just wow. use that excuse. Um, well, I'm, ter- I just want I'm terrified of the dentist. To, to all the uh, uh, Detroit Lakes folks who are fans of Adam Thielen, who was actually thinking about getting into dent- dentistry sales before he became a Viking. Oh. So I hope I not offended anybody in that regard. Didn't the Vikings have a quarterback in the '70s who ended up being an orthodontist? Yes. No. Gary Quazzo. Oh, with Quazzo was an orthodontist. Yes, yes. No, uh, I was going to say Fred Cox, but he just invented the Nerf ball. So, no, you're right. One of them, yeah, I, one of two. You're right. One of those two guys was was uh, a team. That's for sure. Good memory. Well, Dad always kind of um, brought that up as a way to explain the rough years being a Vikings fan back in the day. He was like, we literally had a quarterback who retired to become an orthodontist, which I was just like, that Yeah, that was that Quazzo. Makes sense. <laughs> um, we are also joined yeah. for the first time. I'm very excited to announce um, one of our n- uh, newer writers, I guess, of the last crop that we brought in. But by, he's ingratiated himself into being one of the most vital aspects of what we do from a written perspective, from a uh, vision of the future perspective. A really great guy, Mr. Josh Frey, who is a senior writer for VikingsTerritory.com. Uh, com, and also uh, thedraftteam.com. Uh, he'll be heading up his, uh, his own site within uh, the next, I would say, four to six weeks, which is going to be a, a site that we talk about. Again, I keep teasing everybody. It's tantalizing. Uh, we'll talk about uh, a little bit, but first I wanted to just uh, introduce you and say, what's up, man? How are you doing? Hey, doing good. That was quite the intro there. <laughs> yeah, no pressure, man. Yeah, no, I gotta live up to it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, we I uh, had Kirby on the show last week, 
uh, to talk about right, that that he's the managing editor of, and at this point you're you're basically co-managing editor of as well. The workhorse behind the DraftTeam.com, um, and you know I feel like there's been a few things that have really turned the draft on it on its head, both in, uh, across the league and in terms of the Vikings' position at 14. Um, you know, there's uh, the, the 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 trades that happened um, about 10 days ago, uh, and then this week, obviously, the news that that Jeff Gladney turned himself into Dallas County police for third degree felony, uh, family assault, which, you know, I, I wrote a couple articles about it and it always feels sort of gross to be like, you know, instant reaction as to how his, you know, alleged, uh, pretty brutal assault on his girlfriend, uh, affects the draft. And I didn't want to all of a sudden turn that into me, basically complaining about Zimmer and drafting corners instantly. Cause I felt like there people are going to be like, man, you really, really, that came up quick. But you know, part of what we do, you know, is obviously analyze these sort of things on multiple levels on, on the, the personal level. And then also from a team impact perspective. And so it's, I mean, I know that he, a lot of people were saying that with Patrick Peterson coming in, glad he was, maybe the, the fourth receiver on the depth chart that, uh, you know, Dantzler outshined him. You know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, Patrick Peterson obviously is a very accomplished uh, corner, or especially was when he first came into the league. But I can't imagine. We don't know what was going to happen at training camp. We don't know how much Zimmer trusts Gladney or if they wanted Peterson to really be the coach on the field or they're going to transition to Gladney being the starter by the end of the season because he's a first-round pick, so on and so forth. Um, but I just wanted to, to just get your take take on on the situation joe um first and foremost and and then we can kind of uh, also talk about you know, the impact you think it has on the roster um and, and then, then i'll uh, see what uh, mr Frey thinks about the draft impact well it's a uh, it's a bad deal no no two ways around it it's um you know i had forgotten that he was the first round pick oh, man you know i i i guess at this point uh, I've moved on um, for what it's worth because uh, if, if you've seen or read or heard anything about what he's allegedly accused of doing or accused of, of allegedly doing, uh, it's pretty bad. And, uh, you know, uh, show's over as far as I'm concerned about him. I mean, you got to wait till it all plays out and this all comes forward that it's true. And he, he did turn himself in. So he obviously uh, probably feels some kind of culpability here, but uh, um, you know, I, I'm not sure he will play in the league again. If, if, yeah. if such a thing is true, I mean, he'll, he'll certainly get disciplined by the Vikings or cut or, or what have you. And that, and that should probably be forthcoming after they do their due diligence to, uh, uh, ferret out what uh, they can about the incident, but uh, the 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 NFL is not going to look kindly on him, they, and they probably might not let him play either. So it, it it's a shame for him. It's a shame for certainly for the victim in the in 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 the steal, and uh, certainly feel bad for her. The heart goes out to her and and her family and everything that's that's going on. But boy, it's bad news, and uh, I I don't know that I I don't, I don't want to see him back. You know, if, if if this is all true and and it's litigated out that way, yeah, as, he, as we've uh, seen, even if he gets a plea bargain as a first time offender, because I know it's like a, a two to ten year prison sentence, but he's probably not going to get that. He'll probably plead and get something, or who knows, maybe um, it'll get thrown out for some strange reason. I don't think that'll happen. But you know, the NFL has shown that it kind of operates separately from the judicial system. I mean. Ten, five, ten years ago, right. they were in federal court in Minneapolis a lot for kind of op- operating as their own country, essentially. Um, but yeah, I think he's essentially played his last down, and you know, it's it's gonna go down as is one of the most you know. And again, this is gross to say, but it's a disastrous thing for the Vikings, a first round pick. It reminds me a little bit of Demetrius Underwood, just differently. Um, you know, having a, a high oh, pick like that, you kind of flame yeah. out like that. I mean, it's just it's sounding. I'm still kind of getting my head around it. It, it, it's 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 a bad deal, and you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the less time spent on it, the better. Because it, 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 the next thing is to move on and, and figure out how it impacts the team. Move on because this guy's got all kinds of issues now to deal with. 
you know, and he, he's basically football shouldn't even be on his radar or in his mind for a while. He's got other things, move on, move away, Vikings. It, 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 we've had a history of bad things happen on this team and in this league. And, the, you know, they, they've seemed to lessen a little bit, but the fact that they still exist, they're, they're going to happen in every yeah. walk of life. But it's, 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 it, we need less of this, not, not for Isn't it a itself. little strange, I, I though, that, like, I. I I've moaned the what I consider. I mean, not so much last year because of losing both Rhodes, Waynes, and Mackenzie Alexander, but it seems like they overinvest in the corner position. You know, Mike Hughes, for example. <laughs> uh, you get a first round pick when you have two first round picks and a second round pick already playing. You get another first round pick. And Mike Hughes, he's hurt. Then it's like, well, uh, that kind of made sense. Uh, and now the Patrick Peterson thing, obviously Cameron Dantzler becomes increasingly important. Um, his Zimmer's improvement last year genius, became big. Joe. Say what? it. Say it. Zimmer's a genius. Say it. I want to hear you say it. <laughs> Maybe an evil genius. Is, is he foreseeing <laughs> these weird like things happening? It's just oh, it, it, it's very uh, serendipitous in a strange way. And so, it, I mean, I guess the, the, the main question, then, like you said, Joe, is the impact on the team. And, you know, some people were already kind of kicking around the idea that the Vikings were going to draft a corner, uh, maybe not in the first round, even though Kyle Jowdry, who we work with from Vikings, because I wrote an article about that like two weeks ago. But, um, Josh, what do you think in terms of the draft for the Vikings? Does this really massively alter their day one or day two agenda, in your opinion? I I really don't think so. Um, I mean – you brought in Mackenzie Alexander and Patrick Peterson for a reason, and it's because the cornerback position wasn't good enough in 2020. And I feel like with adding those two, even with Gladney gone, I feel like there's enough depth in that in that position now that they really don't need to worry about it as much as they do like offensive line, defensive end, or other positions that majorly need an increase. Mm. I mean, I, yeah, I agree I, with I, you. I, I, I'm sorry, Joe. I, I I would just agree that if if they if they go to draft a a, a cornerback in uh, in lieu of this this news, that would be a horrendous mistake. Uh, you know, they've got you know you, you can find somebody on the scrap heap to 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 backfill at the uh, other end of this rather than worry about you know your frontline starters and try to get somebody in the draft. You have you have a, a an offensive line to take care of, and and I, I know you have a on the agenda about drafting a wide receiver. And I'm going to come through the computer and scream and yell. <laughs> and probably what have I said, man? Somebody else. If, if, if they do that, but no, I, uh, I, I'd really like to see him draft an offensive lineman. Hopefully that's what they do. But. You know, if, well, first of all, I will say in terms of the wide receiver thing, which I've made very clear is my position of interest above all else. I'm like this number of wide receivers, <laughs> or I would say somehow worse Matt Millen in that regard. Um, that what I kind of alluded to last week in some of my articles in the last couple of weeks is when it comes to the draft and the argument of best player available versus position and need, which I think changes from year to year and from team to team, obviously um, you have to look at the, the draft for the Vikings in terms of if this player pans out that they take, what is the uh, potential positive impact of that? And if you go position by position, as Josh alluded to, and as Joe and I have talked about since, we've been almost podcasting for four years, I realized this week, because I was going through and looking at some of the old shows, and um, <clears throat> we've talked about this almost every single week for that entire period, and so it's hard to make the argument that the offensive line still isn't the 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 position uh, group that is needs the most greased is the squeakiest wheel i am i agree with you joe i think that if you know i've as i alluded to a couple minutes ago, zimmer is, is taking corners when he really didn't have a reason to so it just scares me that he has this reason now <clears throat> but i think there's joe this... I, I i i just wrote something down i gotta make sure i got it right before i go on i'm the zimmer of wide receivers okay i've got that that's okay. what you said I'm so glad okay. you don't know how to like create sound bites and then use them against me <laughs> almost instantly. That could always go into, but anyway, I know your point. You make yeah, a good it, point, it, you know. It, it does feel like the Vikings media. I'm not taking credit for it, even though I have in my articles tongue in cheek bites, just because I know it bothers people. Uh, that Vikings media is almost unanimously pushing for once. Just 
deal with the offensive line. For, honestly, like it's it's old at this point, uh, and you know obviously there's some more question marks on the offensive line than there was even last year. Uh, so, Mister Mister um, Frey, if I were to um, put a gun to your head, the gun to the head round of each show happens at this point. <laughs> if the Vikings were to stay at 14, which we'll get into in a second as well. What do you think they're going to do from a position standpoint? What do you th- not not what you hope they'll do or what you think they should do, but what do you think they are going to do if you had to choose right now today? Um. So the way that things are panning out now, um, with all the trades and everything that have gone down in the past week and the new reports that we have, um, I really think they're going to. I think they're going to lean towards the defensive end at this point. I, I think too. somebody like Gregory Rousseau or Quiddy Pay is going to fall to that spot, and I think they're going to jump on it while they have the chance. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but I do think that's what they're going to do. That's what Kirby said last week, wasn't it, Joe? Yeah, it was. Um, and yeah. you know, I don't want that. Either, either I don't either. I you know, and it, it's hard because we don't really know what's going on with Daniel Hunter either. Um, and, and that obviously yeah. has like a, a really huge impact on happens there. Um, but if you, who do you like of, of that group? Uh, you know, a lot of people are in Vikings, it seems are really hyping up Quiddy pay from Michigan, which I'm not going to be too mad at for reasons that I don't even need to explain at this point. Uh, you know, um, a lot of people are hyping up, uh, the Penn state guy, uh, who's just like a physical specimen? Apparently, I think he's like he runs like a four three forty, and he's a defensive end. It's like he's faster than right, yeah. Adam Thielen, what is that about? Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, Phillips, so on and so forth. Um, but who who is your favorite of that of that group? So I think me and Kirby stand pretty much in the same spot on this one. Uh, I think Quiddy Pay and Gregory Rousseau are heads and shoulders above the the rest of the group in that. Uh, in the defensive end area. Um, I think the less risky choice at 14 would be Quiddy Pay, um, just because I think he's more polished at this point. Yeah. Um, but I think Gregory Rousseau might have a higher ceiling just because he's still super raw. He only really has one full year of football under him. Um, and, I mean, he's just a he's a physical freak. Like, he doesn't really have the greatest technique yet, but he just gets by offensive linemen just because he's so powerful, he's so fast, and they just can't stay in front of him. So I think if they're going to go with the guy that has a better ceiling, I think it's Rousseau. Okay. Josh, if, 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 if uh, you know, there, if there's – it all depends on the way the draft falls, what the Vikings do always, you know, that, that, that always has an effect on it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you're saying, you know, everything stands pat now, but now we see that – the Atlanta Falcons want to trade the fourth pick, and and uh, we saw the, the the other trade this week for for a quarterback uh, with with the Jets trading away Darnold. Um, if if all of a sudden there a bunch of these teams take these quarterbacks up front, that might you know kick one of these uh, left tackles down there to fourteen. Do do the Vikings then? Are they forced to take it? Don't you think they should? Or you know, I, I think they should, but that doesn't mean they would. What What are your thoughts on something like that? Right. I mean, at this point, um, it seems like the top three picks are going to be quarterbacks at least. Um, so the draft essentially starts at four. Um, I don't see any world where Panay Sewell falls that far. Um, but I think there's a slight chance that Rashawn Slater does, and if yeah. he's there, I I would jump on that. I mean. I don't trust – I mean, Kirk Cousins, Iron Man, but he <laughs> takes one bad hit and we're putting in somebody like Sean Mannion, and you don't want to have that be your starting quarterback for half the season and just oh. hope that oh. he's good enough. He's made of iron. That's why he moves so slowly in the pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like there's a, a debate with Slater um, whether or not he's a, a pure tackle from an NFL standpoint. Um, I remember seeing an article on like USA Today like a month ago that was like, if you think he's not a tackle, you're wrong. Um, you know, Northwestern. The crux of my Big Ten, and, and Josh, you, uh, and I really won't. Uh, 
I won't punish you for this because um, I can't even get my own family to listen to my podcast. But um, I bring up the Big Ten every week, and I've had I've written this article. It's like a, a marketing manifesto that of why I think Big Ten players in certain positions are better pros. The offensive line is one of them because they have offensive or NFL style offensive linemen. Still, like Wisconsin has you know five guys each year that that are you know getting get picked before the fifth or sixth round. Um, but when it comes to a guy like Slater or other guys, especially quarterbacks, Northwestern is obviously a really um, hard school to get into from an academic standpoint. And it just to me, it implies an extra level of dedication that you actually have these really hard academic standards that you have to apply to, and also you know play football basically full time. Uh, so I like it. I like that from that standpoint. I, I just will say that I've heard from former offensive linemen. I played under Zimmer. That Zimmer does not like smart offensive linemen. Um, he what? Labels, mm-hmm. um, one day I will. Ryan O'Neal. Uh, I'm just telling you that he. Uh, my source basically said every time that he would point out what the defense was doing in practice, Zimmer would freak out and be like, "No reset." Pretend you don't know what they're doing, even though it was like a scrimmage. And then after that, this guy was labeled as a smart guy, and then he was no longer on the team. So I'm sure sleuths can figure out who that is. But um, I just I have that in the back of my mind uh, with with Slater. I don't um, think that's why. I don't think that's why he was no longer on the team because he was too smart. No, it's just my opinion. But my goodness, come on, that's not <laughs> right. There's maybe. He, Maybe they, I mean I think there's something comes with that that might people might overlook who have that label that maybe they're too um, independent in the independent thinkers or free thinkers and and maybe they John don't see Sullivan. that they're maybe they don't um, well I mean there's also if you look at some of the people I've interacted with and interviewed you could make an argument for multiple guys I would say there's yeah. one also that I think went to a really good school. Uh, that no, that uh, that uh, was around uh, around that time as well. Either way, so, uh, I don't think that was the sole issue, but I right. that's I do think that's yeah. part of it. Uh, I think uh, you know I don't know. It's it's a very. I mean, we also heard from the, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel guy, the go long TD guy, that you know Zimmer would uh, a lot of the beef between him and and uh, D. Filippo was. Zimmer getting mad that they were running our own practice and beating his defense and that he cared more about winning in practice with his defense than actually what winning on uh, the offense meant long-term or outside of that practice. Um, that was the, one of the main cruxes of that argument. You know, he, he kind of sabotaged well, the offense. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, if you read that article, which is very well sourced, he literally would tell the defense what the offense was doing, so his defense would win in practice, right. and then then he, you know, basically. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. I understand that, and you, and that's that's a legitimate thing you can do at practice. I mean, if they're trying to learn, and you, you know, you help them out and say, so, you know, so at least they know what they're supposed to do, perhaps. But uh, um you can't go out there and tell him during the game. So, I mean, ultimately you, you can't do that. It, and if he's, if he's making decisions on his personnel based on the fact that his, the offense is beating his defense, then he's a child and he should be fired. Yeah. I think I would said that about Zimmer before. I would highly suggest that people go, um, just go to Google type in Vikings territory and, and write, Things are bad. Report things are bad in Zimmerland. Read that article, which is just – it has the link to the article that I'm talking about. People both on and off the record um, from a credentialed journalist from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel who I talked to. And then I had to check his sources to make sure that he you know, wasn't uh, just making it wow. out of whole cloth. And I did my due diligence in that regard. It was very interesting. Um, you know, I think that people will look at things a little bit differently and maybe stop – uh, emailing me at two in the morning uh, when I talk about Zimmer, <laughs> just a dream of mine. Uh, but no, um, getting back to the original question, um, if Josh is still there. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> no, it's totally my fault, man. It's not you. Um, what do you, I mean? I guess the better way to ask would be, you know, I've seen Mel Kiper Jr. say that. Uh, so well, we'll might drop to nine. The Vikings might 
be able to trip from 14 to 9. I don't see anything up. But after that, yeah, it sounds like you, you, you like Slater. And I was just interested in, in your thoughts on him as a player. Yeah, so like you mentioned, he's not exactly a typical tackle build, I guess. He's kind of small, 6'4", I think, like 310 pounds, which, I mean, is crazy just to say that that's a small human being. But um, <laughs> as far as, like, his uh, play, he's he's super athletic, which makes up for his lack of size. Um, and he's, he's really good in the pass blocking, and that's exactly what uh, Minnesota needs at this point. Like, you, need, you lost Riley Reif. He had one of his best years last year, and you need yeah. to replace that. Um, and I mean, he's definitely smaller, but he's, he's a good player. Like there's, there's no way around it at this point. I, I, like I said, I think he's the second best, best tackle in this uh, draft. I'm not sure I'd trade up to get him necessarily. Um, because I do think that left tackle is, uh, a pretty deep position in this draft. Yeah. Um, but if he's there at 14, you might as well jump on it because you need to protect Kirk Cousins this year. And you wrote an article uh, recently um, about the door basically cracking open for the Vikings to trade up uh, for so well. And I would uh, highly suggest people check that out. Um, it's on Purple PTSD and on the draftteam.com. But do you feel like he's the type of talent that is. I mean, we've seen some of the draft capital you have to give up to move up. I mean, the Vikings, perhaps, in this scenario, wouldn't have to move up, you know, to three or whatever and give up multiple firsts and a third or whatever. Um, but do you think he's the type of talent at left tackle that you should trade up for, let's say, uh, from the seven to nine range? Do you think he's the a plug-and-play sort of what the Vikings thought Matt Khalil was going to be, like your answer for the next decade? I think he's about as sure a thing as you're going to get at left tackle uh, going into the draft. Uh, he's He's got the perfect size to be an NFL tackle. He's super athletic. His competitiveness is through the roof. Um, the only issue is, like, with his run blocking, sometimes it's a little shaky. But, I mean, that's not a huge issue at left tackle. Um, and, yeah, I think he's a guy that you can plug in on day one and tell him, hey, go stop this number one defensive end on the opposing team, and he's going to do it for you. Yeah, that would be a home run pick. Um, let's just hope that he didn't do, do too well in the Wanderlick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, when it comes to the uh, guards, though, you know, I think – before the Riley Reef thing came out, I was really uh, the news of him. Obviously, you know, not being on the team anymore. I was really bullish on a Wyatt Davis from Ohio State for glaringly uh, uh, obvious bias reasons, but also because I feel like he's uh, another one of those sort of plug and play uh, guys. Um, whether or not the Vikings would justify using, a, you know, a first or maybe a second. Uh, based on his injury uh, on a guard, I think remains to be seen. I think they are allergic to drafting guards really before the fourth round. I don't think they've done that. Um, under Zimmer. Well, they'd have to trade up to get a second because they don't have a second That's, right now. They, but yeah. they could trade down, I guess, and then acquire a second if they don't, if they think, you know, they, the, whatever they're doing is that that class is deep enough. Um, but. Uh, assuming they do that, they also don't like to draft guards who've actually played guard for. Uh, who do you like as as the, the some of the guards coming out in the draft, and, and what do you think? The, uh, where do you think they'll fall, uh, and what do you think the Vikings might do in that regard? Yeah, so I th- this is the move that I've wanted Minnesota to do basically since the season ended. I think the move is maybe trade down a few spots pick up some more draft assets, maybe a second rounder, and you pick up Elijah Vera Tucker. I like Wyatt Davis a lot, but I think Vera Tucker is a little bit better, and I I just like his versatility more because he played both left tackle and guard at USC, um, and I think having the ability to kick him out to left tackle if you need to, if, uh, God forbid, an injury happens or something, um, I think that's a really good security blanket for Minnesota to have. Uh, and I just think Ezra Cleveland needs to play left tackle next year. I think that's oh. something that will – I think moving him out to left tackle will be – I think that's honestly the answer. 
uh, if you don't get Panay Sale or Rashawn Slater because he was really good at Boise State. Obviously wasn't super impressive at guard this year for Minnesota. He's yeah. still ranked pretty highly in PFF among rookies, if I remember correctly, but it wasn't anything I think it was like he did like okay to good in the run game, but like a ton of pressures. Yeah, but how how is uh how's he done in the Wonderlick? You know, I mean, he, he, he I mean as far as, I have another source that says Zimmer doesn't want his players to know how to read. So, um, but I, wow. I think that uh, you make a good point about Cleveland that, like, I, I've seen some articles from people that uh, know a lot more about, more about this than I do. You know, that um, he's not physically or prototypically a guard with how, you know, just his, his length. And, you know, he's not, guards are typically more stout and, and, you know, kind of not as top heavy. They're more compact. Um, so I, I like that move because I also think it opens up a lot more possibilities. It, what terrifies me about this draft and about, perpetually about the Vikings is the fact that, you know, there's a strong argument, obviously, that they have three question marks right now on the line. But there's also the fourth question mark, which is, is Bradbury kind of a bust, or should we just, I mean, obviously they're going to be more patient with him, but he hasn't played very well, but then it's hard to say uh, how well he would do if he maybe had, you know, not two awful guards playing on either side of him. Exactly. Um, and so I I do like that move with Cleveland. You know, obviously he didn't play against, like, the best, uh, the most premier talent at Boise State, but I think that makes sense. What do you think about uh, moving Brian O'Neill to left tackle and putting Cleveland at right tackle. Hmm. That I wouldn't be opposed to that either. Um, I I haven't seen either one of them play. Like I haven't seen O'Neill play at left tackle, and I haven't seen Cleveland play at right tackle before. Um, so that is a little bit of a question mark for me. But I don't think it's too much of an issue. I think it could work and uh, hypothetically. Yeah. I would. Not, I would. I I, I uh, worry about that just because it's like all of a sudden weakening two positions if they're both playing out of position, at least in the short term. You know, um, uh, Brian O'Neill would have to show that he's he's not got all his eggs in his basket or whatever cliche you want to say for being too smart to, to, to put out there. But I, I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm yeah, I know, but I also you. look at it like this. Brian <laughs> O'Neill has been the one uh, bright spot on the offensive line, arguably, these last couple of years. Riley Reef, obviously, like you mentioned, had a good year last year. Um, and so maybe the logic there is that switching him switching sides and bringing what he's done on the right side to the left side makes more sense than Ezra Cleveland, who would just be a kind of a big a question mark and has a less a less of a, a jump from Boise State slash playing uh, right guard to right tackle. You know, there was some talk of that months ago. About, I honestly don't see that happening. Yeah. Um, All but, I can say about Brian is, is I, I just what and you heard me say this many times on the show, Joe. I just I interviewed him when, when he was a rookie, and I saw something in him that I knew. He was a pretty sharp individual, and he knew what was up, and he he uh, he had this determination about him that I think maybe in time he could probably play whatever position you put him in. He didn't he start at tight end and move out to uh, uh, offensive tackle? Isn't that his history? And yeah, I thought so. Yeah, and so I mean, so I don't doubt that he couldn't go over there and play left tackle and it might be the thing to do and it might be what what they are planning to do but uh you know on paper and right out of the gate it's going to be an adjustment for two people at two new positions when when you already have questions on the offensive line and if you don't and if you if if you don't bolster with somebody in the first round you're really going to have problems and so i i i would probably I hate to see it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a possibility if they don't get who they want, if they draft a uh, quarterback or a wide receiver with their first pick, and, and then they're forced to do something like this. Well, that, that may be what we're left with. Yeah, I just got a little – I don't know. It's hard because I feel like I'm – I'm, I just worry about having two question marks at the guard position. With uh, You know, obviously I think they'll, they'll play role with Cleveland there for a while anyway, but – they just have never shown a propensity to want to really use anything above the, like I said, the fourth round on 
on a guard, mm-hmm. or they get a guy who is maybe a tackle and they try to convert him to guard at some point. That hasn't obviously panned out. Um, but it's something that, that, you know, again, earlier, like I said, I think that if they can even muster a, a mediocre pass-blocking unit, the sky really is the limit for this offense. I mean, I think this, this offense is, is borderline elite. Um, I think they're a little uh, dink and dunky by design, at least they were last year, to keep you know, the opposing quarterbacks on the sidelines for as long as possible because uh, of some of the limitations we discussed earlier. Uh, but, you know, I feel like the one positive of free agency and the, the investment, the almost pure investment in, in the defense is that they short up the middle of the defensive line, which was, you know, outside of the corner place, but earlier in the season, the, the Achilles on this defense, they have a true nose tackle and all they have these two beefy dudes in the middle. Um, the defense looks, even with what happened with Gladney, the defense looks a lot more uh, it has a lot less question marks position by position than the offensive line does. And so let's just hope that's what happens. I have zero faith, though, that it will. I'm just like I'm so gun-shy at this point uh, about these things that it's, it, 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 it does uh, terrify me a little bit. Um, you wrote an article recently, too, Josh, about the wide receiver three position and that the Vikings could uh, – Maybe find somebody through trade. People have talked about uh, maybe bringing Larry Fitzgerald home to Minneapolis um, as, for like one last year as a free agent. Um, but do you, I mean, I've also seen mocks where people say that, you know, if Smith from Alabama falls to 14, the Vikings could take him, which I think would not happen, but would be kind of cool. Uh, from a Madden perspective, just having those three receivers line up next to each other would be like, what? Uh, but what, what, <laughs> what do you think about the wide receiver three position? Not just draft wise, but in terms of. Sacked. What? Um, so until some cousins get sacked, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that that's the thing. Yeah, like it's fun to think about these great wide receivers lining up next to each other, but I kind of just go back to the the situation that Cincinnati is in. Like they could pick a a really good receiver at five, or they could draft Benesuel and sure up their offensive line for the next ten years and make sure that Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt again. I think that's the the way to go for them. I think that's the way to go for the Vikings. Like like you said, it might not pan out where Minnesota drafts a tackle. They might do something crazy and draft a cornerback or something. But I still don't think wide receiver is the way that they should go, Like even if one of these really good ones falls to them. God, that's, yeah. that, that statement that he just made to to, to – solidify their offensive line for the next 10 years. It, it gave me, it gave me a goosebumps. That's <laughs> never in Joe, since we've been doing this or before, we've never seen that, you know, any attempt at, at solidifying this offensive line for the next 10 years. How awesome would that be for the Vikings? Yeah. It that? almost sounds Some... unattainable. Yeah. You know, I think I, uh, seven of the eight NFC or six of the seven NFC playoff teams, um, this last year were uh, had headlines that were ranked by PFF in the top eight. Uh, so it, it's obviously important. It's a passing league. Creating a clean pocket is great. I mean, I, I do think that Cousins has done a lot considering they've had a near you know, 27 to 29th ranked line from a pass protection standpoint. <laughs> <clears throat> he, Big Ten. I also like brain farts. I completely forgot that Larry Fitzgerald retired uh, recently. I I, I really I talked about this on Sansevier show a couple weeks ago, and I just thought from a, I just want to own that jersey. You know what I mean? Like that'd be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when Favre came here, I was like, I honestly, if they go two and fourteen, beat the Packers twice, and I can rock a purple Favre jersey for the rest of my life and piss off people in Wisconsin whenever I have to go there for fireworks or or whatever. Um, that makes me well. Happy. A Fitzgerald would pit a Fitzgerald jersey would piss him off too because of what the, what he did to them in the playoffs a few I years know. back. <laughs> yeah, oh man, God, do it. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I still think that I'm. I don't know. I uh, for the wide receiver thing, it's you know, a lot of people are saying that they can rid themselves of Adam Thielen's contract next year or whatever. He's getting older. I don't. I don't really think. And I'm not just saying this because we're on the air in Detroit Lakes and I don't want to get tarred and feathered. Uh, I don't think his skill set really is the type that will degenerate with age 
like other receivers do, just because he's such a tactician and his body control and his catch radius. Uh, he runs incredible routes, so on and so forth. I think he'll be good for a long time, a la Larry Fitzgerald. Um, but I, I do think they need to find somebody uh, for at the wide receiver three spot. You know, BC Johnson kind of disappeared. But at the same time, I don't know. In, in a Kubiak offense, even if it's clean Kubiak, and maybe he has new wrinkles with Irv Smith Jr. emerging and being a run first team, obviously, which will be the case next year as well. You don't really need much from your wide receiver three outside of somebody who can catch a first down one every you know three to four games. So I think it's kind of a moot point, but it's fun to talk about. Well, Joe, I just looked up. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald has not retired yet. He's expected to retire. Sounds a little Farvian to me. Huh? Oh. Pieces oh. aren't going to be in place. Here we go. Oh. Maybe it's a bargaining chip. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know how any of this stuff works, to be completely honest with you. Um, He's expected to retire, though, and he will, I'm sure. So, I, Yeah, I, I got that. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been a great jersey that, that's that, to hang on the wall. I, you know, again, it just maybe I'll just order one anyway and pretend like I live in an alternate <laughs> reality. Uh, Josh, you mentioned um, what a lot of people have said. You know, potentially uh, the draft could start at four, uh, with the first three picks being uh, quarterbacks, and then there's been some scenarios where it could be the first five. Four or five <laughs> picks have been could be quarterbacks. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is the guy. Uh, Beyond that, though, you know, there's there's been some uh, ranking changes with pro days and people, you know, it's like the uh, Democrat-Republican conventions. There's always like a, a bump in polls uh, right afterwards. And after a pro day, with these, especially these COVID pro days and what we see online, you know, the hype for a guy like Zach Wilson goes up or, you know, um, other guys too. Uh, how would you rank the quarterbacks after Trevor Lawrence, which is a similar question I posed to Kirby. So I'm interested in, in your, your take on it. Yeah. So obviously Trevor Lawrence is number one. Um, but then I think Justin Fields is probably number two. Um, I think he's got, he's got all the weapons that you need at the quarterback position to fit in this modern NFL. He's got a great arm. Uh, he showed that at his pro day. Um, and th- then he's also just super athletic. He knows when to run. His inner clock is really great. Um, and I get the stigma behind Ohio State quarterbacks. I wanted to ask you that, years. man. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, why do you think that happens? I've, I've, it goes against completely what I said a couple minutes ago uh, with my manifesto, but it's a thing. And I wonder, you know, why that is. Uh, is it the style well, of offense? Is it that they're they've had some run first guys? I mean, uh, Cardell Jones had a big arm. I thought maybe he would do better. Buck that trend. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have had some really good talent at both running back and wide receivers throughout the years. So that probably plays a part in it. And I mean, Urban Meyer was just a really good coach when he was there too. So I mean, he can make guys successful, and I think he's going to do that in Jacksonville as well. Um, so I think that plays a role, but Justin Fields just, he feels like a different kind of guy than the other guys. He's, his accuracy is a lot better than like a JT Barrett or a Dwayne Haskins ever was. Um, and he, he just, he just knows how to make winning plays. And he showed that throughout his time at Ohio state. Um, and yeah, I just feel like he's a different kind of player. Yeah. I like him too, but Again, bias. Bias. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't. Hide why it. don't you just put that? Why don't you just put that as an uh, pin that agenda item? Joe's Big Ten bias for each each it week. Should so this, we, it should be a segment each week where I just. I mean, it already, it already is unofficially, right? Uh, I will join. I will join ten minutes or fifteen minutes after the show starts, so you can get it out of your. <laughs> In other Big Ten news. Um, you know, I, I wanted to touch on uh, something you talked about earlier, Joe, the, the Jets trade the Panthers, sending Darnold there, you know, Teddy Bridgewater being authorized to talk to other teams uh, with his agent for a trade. Some people are saying he might uh, end up in New England or that he should end up in New England, at least some of the, the Patriots media is saying that. Uh, 
what do you think is genuinely next for him, uh, Joe and Josh? I mean, do you think that maybe he should look for no water? I mean, do you think he should Sorry. look for a backup role? Do you think he's going to become a franchise guy or he has that potential still? Um, well, I saw a report earlier today that the Broncos are interested, or maybe not that they were interested, but that, that's a really logical landing spot for him now. Um, and I know you, you talked about the Patriots. There was some of that. Um, I, I don't know that he can – I don't know he's not really proven himself the starter because, you know, the, uh, uh, the Saints didn't make him the starter. The uh, uh, Panthers, you know, are have moved on from him. Um I don't know if it's skill or the injury or if he doesn't have what everybody's looking for in a starter, but I, I, I don't know if he'll ever get back to that realm. I, if I was him, I was, you know, I'm, I'm in my, in my mind, I'm reading all the stuff about Teddy and I'm doing what a lot of Minnesotans are doing is just cash, you know, come back here and take, take uh, Sean Mannion's place and just sit tight, you know, sooner or later cousins is going to get hit from this offensive line and we'll need you. But, uh, um, you know, if, if, if you put the gun to my head in this segment, I would say, no, I don't think it would be a, a big time starter. Anyway, maybe a place like the Broncos, he could, because they still got, you know, they're still not sold on his name's Drew Locke, right. Is their quarterback. And, uh, I, I, you know, so I would say, I don't think so, but you know, I, I hope he does, but I don't know that it will ever, it'll ever pan out like it should have. When it, what do you hear? Do you know what really solidified my, I don't want to say opposition to Bridgewater when he was here, but I will say that there were a few really galvanizing moments when Purple PTSD it's was not from the Big Ten. <laughs> hmm. Sorry. Partially. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, <laughs> the, uh, that I remember very vividly back when Purple PTSD was uh, before I uh, ended up purchasing Vikings territory, and Purple PTSD was kind of like just a glorified Facebook posting wall for me where I would just shout things into the ether and then randomly post them on Reddit, get yelled at, and then get happy that I got 500 clicks from it. Um, you know, back at the time, Vikings Reddit and Vikings social media fandom really, and I get where it came from, especially for people of, of my age, being 36, they really wanted a young quarterback that the Vikings both draft and developed that was a franchise quarterback. Outside of really Dante Culpepper, we've had just a lot of, of course. neo yep. or has-been type guys that come in when they're about to retire, a little bit of glory, and then they devastate us in the playoffs, right? Um, we all there was, right. There, there was a lot of emotional investment there. I got it. And so they, they really quickly labeled not only Teddy the solution, but that he was an elite quarterback. And my whole take on it was pump breaks. He has potential, but I don't think he's there yet. But when I transitioned to saying, I don't know if he's the guy to be honest with you was when we, um, Joe had Tommy Kramer on our original podcast out of the mermaid. And he went into, um, a really specific breakdown of Teddy's mechanics. And I know he worked on improving yeah. them, but he had a little bit of a sidearm throw. And so when Mike Wallace kind of shaded him on the way out, there were times that Mike Wallace was five yards beyond any defender, wide open. And Teddy would overthrow him because he was kind of throwing kind of, not like Vince Young uh, sidearms, but he wasn't getting enough air under the ball. He's throwing all these line drives down the field. Um, he, he just couldn't make all the throws on the field. He was very lethal in the last like three minutes of some games. I remember uh, Zimmer saying, we wish he'd play the first 57 minutes like he does the last three. Um, I saw him working on his mechanics the last year that Mankato had trained camp. I felt like he was doing that in the preseason before his injury, and maybe he reset because of that. But I just feel like, you know, um, he just can't make all the throws on the field. And I, I looking at what the Panthers were saying about him this last season, he was really hesitant, especially in the red zone. Like his red zone efficiency was, was really bad. He was holding on to the ball too long. And that didn't, that maybe was an injury related thing, but I just don't really think he's uh, capable of making all the throws on the field. That's obviously, you don't job see one. Zimmer. You don't see Zimmer who loves him and professed mm-hmm. it many times. You don't see him clamoring to get him back either. So you know. yeah, you know, and I think that it, it it's a, just an interesting dichotomy to me because then we have Cousins, who's I've I've said this multiple times. If Teddy, if you just replaced replaced Cousins 
with Teddy and gave the exact same stats, same regular season record, Teddy would be governor of the state of Minnesota. Um, it's just, I, we finally got kind of what we wanted to. We didn't draft Cousins, but he was not 40. Uh, it's just very strange to me. But yeah, just I mean, where are you at on the whole Teddy as a starter thing? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think we're past the point of saying that he's going to be one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. Um, I think best case scenario for him is he, well, honestly, like two years ago in New Orleans, like those six games where he replaced Drew Brees and went 6-0, and that was the perfect situation for him. He had a great defense. He had a great coach. He had a great offensive line. Unfortunately, a lot of teams that are going to be looking for a quarterback at this point don't really have those. So I don't really think there's going to be a place that he goes to where he's going to be an instant difference maker. Yeah. Josh, let me ask you a question. Not not to get off Teddy real quickly, but uh, Joe and I said our piece, I think. But uh, what do you think of Cousins? Um, And this is not to shade Joe in any way. And this this question does not go to Joe because we already know the answer. But uh, (laughs) uh, I I was talking to – uh, someone the other day, and that's what they said. Why does everybody hate Cousins? And you know, I started explaining a few things. You know, I think part of it is his personality. We've been on his show a little bit. Uh, he got the contract, and and he's he's a skittish in the pocket. And and I said, I personally feel that what I pocket? don't think he'll ever uh, I'll ever be able to, <laughs> to uh, uh, believe until I see it that he's going to get us Vikings over the hump and 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 win a championship just because. Of, of of what I have seen from because ultimately I think that's what it takes to to win a championship is it's it's someone who can go above and beyond uh, when 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 the chips are up against you the, the, the at the most I mean even saw Pat Patrick Mahomes couldn't do it last year but he he lost to the guy who did it more often than anybody else anyway what do you think of Cousins as a quarterback and and is he the guy that the Vikings should remain uh, attached to for the, for the going forward. Um, so I don't, I'm not going to say that Cousins is one of the best QBs in the league. Um, but I do think he has, he's had a lot working against him in Minnesota. Um, last year, the O-line was not good. The pass protection, I think per PFF ranks 28th in the league. And like Joe said, none of the FC playoff teams were outside of the top eight. So I don't think he really had much to work with in that department. Um, he had two really good receivers last year in Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, but every other playoff team that you look at, uh, they had at least three. Um, it was both Thielen and Jefferson had over 500 yards last year, but there was no other receiver for Minnesota that was able to eclipse that mark. And you look at teams like Tampa Bay, Kansas city, they all had four or five. Like, so he, he has two really good targets, but they'd need to add another one in order to be competitive in the NFL. And that's not even taking into account the terrible defense, especially for the middle part of the season. And then the special teams was absolutely atrocious too. So there's just so much working against him that no, he's not going to be the savior that when everything falls apart around him, he's going to be able to win games. But I don't think there's too many of those guys in the league anymore that can really do that. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a weird standard because then if, if, you know, if we're looking at evaluating every quarterback uh, in the league or the Vikings have had through the lens of whether or not they win a Super Bowl, um, I get why people look at it that way, especially with the money that he's making, even though I think it's kind of market rate at this point. Um, then 31 out of 32 quarterbacks each year aren't that great, or every Vikings quarterback essentially in the history has been not good enough because we've never won a super bowl uh one, one well that's fun- just right there joe that's it right there that's why people want that they want the super bowl win they want the quarterback that can win in the super bowl and maybe it's a skewed lens and it's not fair to cousins but that's the way this quarterback is going to forever be judged yeah I, I just don't think they've ever put him in the position best position to do that um i also think that a lot of the people that uh com- comment on well, my Cousins and anti-Zimmer articles kind of both fall into the same camp, and it's well then apply that standard to Zimmer, who has had everything handed to him, um, everything a head coach could ever want, some by just 
luck of the draw, the new stadium, the U.S. Bank, or the TCO facility being arguably the best in the league, you know, a great front office, yeah, the financials. to him, Joe, when he's but the they've team, given he him every, they've given him every draft pick and every free agent that he's asked for. I mean, look at when after they signed like Cousins. After they signed Cousins, everyone was like, well, they're going to have to lose Barr or, or Rhodes or whatever, and then they used the remaining cap space not on an offensive lineman with Richard and Easton not coming back. They used it on Sheldon Richardson. Um, he's got he's had the keys handed to him to build the defense of his dreams. Roster-wise, position by position, the, his defense was stacked, and the outcome has been getting embarrassed in the playoffs every other year. I just understand why people are so emotionally dedicated to Zimmer, uh, but not to Cousins. And, and if you look at Russell Wilson's quote-unquote career year this last season, he had five more touchdowns than Cousins, the exact amount of interceptions, the exact same QB rating of 105 by like two decimal points. The uh, Cousins had 4,265 yards, he had 4,220. Uh, I just don't, you know, I get that he made the playoffs, but he also wants to leave Seattle partially because he's been sad more than any quarterback in the amount of seasons he's played, but his the only outlier of those NFC teams was Seattle, and they were 16th ranked uh, as an offensive line. He, he would never come here. Uh, uh, Deshaun Watson, before all that stuff happened with him and the, uh, his career being in the line, he said, "I don't want to go to Minnesota." Um, and everyone's like, "Well, that's because they're a run first team." Well, so so the, the Vikings ran the ball proportionally the exact same amount as the Packers did because Matt LaFleur is an acolyte of Gary Kubiak. Um, and uh, Aaron Rodgers had an MVP season. He had arguably his best season ever statistically. The, those so aren't mutually exclusive concepts. Who are you going to give up for uh, – are you going to give up Justin Jefferson for an offensive lineman? Are you going to go back in time and do that? Is that no, the but I think, I think there's other, yeah. other picks that you could have made. I think Mike Hughes – uh, there were four plug-and-play interior offensive linemen taken between Hughes and Brian O'Neill, Will Hernandez being one of them. Um, I would say that uh, it, last year they had 15 picks, but the most ever in the modern NFL center-round draft uh, era. They yeah, used five of those picks on DBs. They used one on an actual guard who'd played guard before. It was the 15th pick. It was also the pick before Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, anytime they get any semblance of depth on the offensive line, they get rid of it. Pat Alfline, he didn't really tell obviously how, work up. Tell us how you really feel, Joe. Like, uh, it's just, it's maddening to me. Because it's, <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, everyone, I've, I've, I, uh, and I'll put it in the article for the show. I've heard that a lot from people. Well, who would you have taken instead of? Uh, you know, Jefferson worked out uh, great, but uh, Treadwell didn't. You didn't need to make that move. Um, free agents that didn't come here, they invested that money elsewhere. You know, other teams don't have this sort of thing where it's like, well, your quarterback's getting paid a lot of money, therefore you can't have an offensive line because other teams don't do that. Every other team has a Patrick Mahomesian contract, Dak Prescott. They make it work. The Vikings just haven't prioritized it. Free agency has shown that. Every draft has shown that. Uh, well, buckle up for it again because the defense, is, defense was bad last year, and I know they've already addressed it in free agency, but it's going to continue in the draft. No, it, That's it's, what it's Jimmy a nightmare. How you, how you win. Yeah. You know, I, he I, really I, does. I've seen it. I've called for it. I wanted offensive linemen. Josh, I'm sorry to bring you on the show because Joe just wants to talk offensive line every week. <laughs> I feel no, a little I mean, validated, though, because I'm like, wow. <laughs> it was in yeah. the paper again this week. Like, I, I, I don't think I'm responsible for it, obviously. I don't think I'm responsible for most things. But I do think it's nice to be on the right side of history for once. As the guy who thought Mobo would take Thielen's spot back in 2016, I'm, I'm going to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> level, level my uh, ego out a little bit. Uh, speaking of which, um, you know, obviously I think Josh is showing on this show uh, his his acumen and why he's uh, a rising star in the industry, in my opinion. And I think that the sky's the limit for you, man. And I'm very excited that uh, – and a little humbled that, you know, um, a couple months ago I asked you – what your goals were, like what your dream gig would be in the industry, because you know we have certain connections and resources for guys that I think um, deserve it and who have worked and have been like cool guys to be around, which is like the most important thing to me. Um, Joe, notwithstanding, uh, <laughs> you answered you know that 
that you love the NBA and that it was actually, I think if I remember correctly, like your 1A sport to the Vikings being 1B. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is not your primary focus because it's all I focused on and I'm bragging about being right about one glaring thing. Uh, and, and so we talked a lot and, and in the next, I'd say, four weeks, uh, we're going to be launching... Uh, a new uh, Minnesota basketball slash Timberwolves slash, slash Lynx uh, network uh, that will be wolfterritory.com and minihoops.com uh, that you will be the, the managing editor of. And you, as I told you earlier today, have a really cohesive vision for it. And I just wanted to take the time to let people know that that's coming um, and also give you an opportunity to kind of let people know what the site's going to be about, what you foresee the type of content being, you know, um, what we're going to kind of bring that's different to the to the, the zeitgeist there. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm really excited for it just because it'll let us kind of delve into a whole separate field of the sports universe because we've pretty much got the football thing covered at this point, <laughs> but we haven't really done too much with basketball yet, and I'm really really excited to finally be able to dive into something like that um, like you mentioned, basketball is my number one passion for sure. I've played it, watched it since I was a kid, um, and I I just love the NBA. I'm really excited to get this thing started. Uh, obviously, it's going to be pretty much – it's going to be Wolves-focused, uh, uh, Wolves and Lynx-focused. Um, but I do want to delve into the more general NBA, get some of the – get some thoughts out on some of the more general headlines just because – I feel like the NBA is a little bit different from the NFL in that it feels more like people are fans of it nationally instead of like specific teams. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they're even globally players. at this point. Yeah, exactly. Like there's not a ton of people that just pick one fan base, just pick one team and root for it for their entire lives. It's more like they're with this younger generation, they're going player to player and following yeah. them all over yeah. the country. And yeah, I'm just really excited to get this thing started. Um, going to be doing a lot of wolf stuff, going to be doing some college stuff, a uh, little bit of general NBA stuff, WNBA, uh, pretty much just covering the whole nine yards yeah, um, when we get it started. So really excited. It's going to be awesome. And, you know, I feel like uh, from a business perspective, uh, as you mentioned, man, the younger generation, I think the NBA is just perfectly suited for sort of the TikTok uh, social media realm of, you know, players being such big brands and it's, you know, five guys on a court uh, uh, without masks on, you know, and, and highlights like that just fit with the internet age a lot more. And I think that's part of the reason that it's just exploded. Um, and and the, on a global level, it's just a huge thing. And I don't know. Um, I may, I think I mentioned this before, but maybe not. Uh, Josh, but Joe actually worked for the Timberwolves for a number of years back during the, the KG era, the, the McHale era. Um, Oh man! Isn't that yeah, right? So oh, definitely Joe. have to get you on that. I, I've been I've been uh, kind of needling him a little bit because he's got uh, a perspective that not many people have. In that he well, likes yeah. Kevin McHale. Six, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> six years back in the back in the late uh, late uh, 90s, uh, from 94 to 2000. So oh, it was a lot the of Marbury fun. era too. Marbury and yeah, J.R. Ryder. Can't forget Isaiah. He's, he was oh, a beauty. Yeah. So. <laughs> Were well, you here for the Joe Smith thing? Um, I had just left. Okay, I had recently left when that when that went down. But yeah, I think that was after two thousand. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a big snafu at the time. Boy, oh boy, underrated. Back, but... in how bad that was. I think it was five first round picks, and then they get Moody oh, Ebies their first pick. I think they gave they reduced it to four. I'd seized the ticket, so I, I haven't told you this either, Josh. Maybe I did, uh, but I used to – the Timberwolves were very close to things for me. Uh, you know, I was a sophomore in college during the Spreewell-Cassell season, and it was 
on I romanticized that time. I mean, I loved the Timberwolves back then. I had season tickets for, for up until they traded KG, to be completely honest with you. And then I remember my sales guy called me and was like, I just can't do it, man. I can't. I can't. Like, Al, Al Jefferson and bleh. Um, <laughs> Dark times. You know, and it's uh, – if, if you have noticed – I get emotionally invested in teams that I love, right? And that's why I'm not a big college football guy because the Gophers have always just been kind of blah. There's no, you know, heartbreak there, really. I mean, it's just more like a depressing sort of Russian novel sort of heartbreak, just consistently bad. It's not like the Browns, like, really great than bad. Um, I feel like the t Wolves had that for a little while, especially in uh, 03, but, you know, uh, I, I got to get back into the saddle. I got to start going to games again when that's the possibility. I start covering the team or just watching the team and, and opining on it. Uh, if you'll have me. This was mainly just an audition oh, for you. of course. Um, they need to not lose that pick this year. That's the biggest thing for them, boy. They need to hang on to that draft pick. Ooh. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting Protected season. for the first, first three picks, so. Yeah. Let's uh, yeah, let's hope uh, the let's season turns so. out. A lot of things change with the wolves. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, we'll, we'll see how things go. It's it, it's a good time to jump in into it. I think yeah, because there's just a lot of moving parts. Uh, but uh, I want people to definitely check out thedraftteam.com. You can find that on Facebook and Twitter at the draft team on Facebook or at the underscore draft underscore team. You can find. Josh on Twitter at Frayed Chicken, kind of like Fried Chicken. Am I pronouncing your name wrong now that I'm looking, thinking about it? So yeah, it is fried. Yeah, <laughs> I okay. was going to mention it after the show, but it's now that you brought it up, <laughs> you know that's a. If I, I wasn't already blushing for like three other reasons, my I, my my capillaries would have burst. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> you think I would have realized that because I've posted to Twitter multiple times, and that makes complete sense now. Uh, F R E Y E D chicken zero five right on Twitter. Yes. See, I get there. I get it wrong a couple times, but third, three or four times into it, I learned. Uh, you can find Joe on Twitter as well at Joe Oberly. That's O B E R L E, and you can find uh, me um, on Twitter at V T P T S D, and uh, keep an eye out for wolvesterritory.com slash mini hoops. It should be around. Before you know it. But thanks again, man, for coming on the show. Thanks, Joe, as always, for tuning in. Thanks, thanks, all the Josh. beautiful people in yeah. Detroit Lakes for tuning in and for uh, sharing and, and commenting on the show. It means a lot to us. We will be back next week, so stay tuned for that. But this has been the Vikings Territory Breakdown for the 6th of April. Score. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car, whether it's a car, truck, or SUV. You can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck or SUV and less repair bills plus free oil changes, free tire rotations and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck,
truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary.